Hey everybody, my name is Dave Jackson and this is Tales from the Backlog, a video games podcast where I bring in guests to talk about the games that I've played recently. My guest today is a good friend and Helmet Kruger enthusiast, Scott Danielson. Cut like a Greek god. <laughs> that jawline. Super excited it's, to be here. That jawline. Yeah. Good to have you, man. And uh, today Thanks. we'll be talking about Hitman, a stealth game developed by IO Interactive and published by Square Enix in 2016. But before we get into Hitman, um, Scott, what have you been playing recently? Oh, let's see. Uh, well, the the old staple is uh, Destiny 2, obviously. Um, plenty of that. Um, I have been... Uh, I started Control not too long ago. I know I'm a couple years behind on that, but uh, haven't yet finished it. Got mired in some side quests, but really enjoying that one so far. Um, and uh, a little bit uh, more recently than that, uh, playing a lot of Hitman... Uh, sorry, Watch Dogs Legion. I don't know if, I don't know right. if that's a game you've ever played. Um I never played that. No, I. If you've played any of like the Assassin's Creed, it's got a very similar like structure, uh, like most Ubisoft games. And um, I love the games that they make, but like I almost never like they make the best games that I never finish because I just get distracted in side quests, and you know how it is. That's a good way to say it. Yeah, they're usually way too long. Yeah. Um. So like I remember watching uh like videos talking about Watch Dogs Legions. I never played it, but it seems it seems like they had a really cool um innovation for the game, but I, something about it was just like, oh, that's cool. I hope other people do this and kind of improve on it in, in a way that will appeal to me more. Yeah, for sure. It did, there's a lot of of really cool novelty in it, but it definitely feels like something that's like there will be better iterations of it in the future. For sure. Yeah. But it's a ton of fun. It, it it kind of like, because it's kind of about like a collective, uh, you can kind of swap between operatives. And so whichever one you're playing at the time becomes the main character in cinematics and story moments and stuff like that. So it really kind of does a cool, uh, a, a good job of kind of communicating, you know, the fact that you're a resistance and that resistance doesn't come from like a single hero. Right. Yeah. That's cool. And like, have it just, just having a video game where, there's not one main character is novel in itself. Yeah, and impressive how you design a game around that kind of concept. I mean, you have to figure all the dialogue in the game's got to be recorded like, what, 15, 20 times minimum just to get a variety of, of vocal actors in there? Yeah. Have you run into situations where you notice like, oh, this is the same voice actor as like that person I was two hours ago or something? <laughs> Uh, I've actually not noticed that anywhere near as much as I've noticed uh, situations where, like, the the dialogue, tr like, or the the conversation trees seem to be sort of procedurally generated. And so I'll have a uh, I'll have a character say like a line, like deliver a line of dialogue in response to another character that I know I've heard that character say before in a couple of other places in response to other okay. pieces of dialogue. So that's kind of wonky. <laughs> okay. But I've never been like, oh, that was also the you know seventy year old granny wearing x-ray vision goggles <laughs> that i saw earlier yeah it's weird yeah that the japanese scientist and the 70 year old white woman were the same voice actors really weird but nothing like that yeah nothing like that yet but it's funny it's got a lot of really funny writing in it too right on um and you're enjoying you said you're enjoying control i really liked that game a lot i really am i i've gotten i i 
the think the part of the reason I stalled out on it is that again I'm the kind of person that just likes to follow side quests, which often way too often leads uh, to me not finishing games. But uh, one of the things I've been struggling with in that game is is navigating the map. Um, I don't know if you remember the map, but it's got this weird like yeah. It's kind of it's a pretty static map, and you kind of have to like eyeball which areas are on which levels. Um, and so there have been there are a couple of like missions that I have that I just can't seem to figure out how to get to. So yeah, that's kind of what stalled me out there. But like the concept of it is cool, the gameplay is cool. Like I love using all the powers and and the combat scenes with all the powers and stuff is really really neat. Yeah, for sure. I remember being kind of frustrated by the map because it's like it's one of those things where it feels like they were like, we don't want to make a map that's the same as every other video game map. So we're going to make it unique for us. And it makes it a little bit hard to navigate just because I was used to so many other games having the same style of map. And um, what really helped me was uh, following signs in the building that helped me more than navigating. I mean, the map would tell me like, I need to go in this general direction, but then following signs was what helped me actually find the place I was trying to go to. And that's kind of cool. But if you're having trouble, like finding the, you know, you're in the area, but you're having trouble finding like how to get into a room. That's probably pretty frustrating. Yeah, there's like, but I hear what you're saying, and I was going to say I think we'll probably get into this in our com- in our Hitman conversation. But like, there's something really cool about just like in-world wayfinding, like not an overlay that shows you where to go, but like you know you can actually use the in-world street signs or whatever to like find where you're trying to go, and the the control building is loaded with those kinds of uh, signposts and stuff. So I'll keep an yeah. eye out for, for that next time. It the the building in control is is really really cool i i love i love the building i love how it's kind of like a character i love uh i love how it's laid out it it like doesn't quite make sense as a building you know because it i mean controls like supernatural and stuff so it's it's real weird in that way but um it does have like you know signs and say you know like uh whatever this division this way you follow the sign and you'll get there like it, it does work that way most of the time and that's cool yeah, yeah, uh, a little, like, maintenance sector this way. Whereas in Hitman, which we'll talk about, like, you're like, oh, I'm in a school. Um, you know, I know what schools are like. I can use my knowledge of schools to figure out, like, where to go. And it, it'll work most of the time in Hitman, and that's something that's really cool. So Definitely, definitely. But, yeah, I love I love the whole lore of control. I'm fascinated by all of the, like little lore bits around the oldest house and i really just need to get back and ignore the side quests and just like finish the story so i can see where it's going yeah uh, that's something like uh, one of my things in games is like i if you give me lore notes like actual notes that i have to take a, a minute and read um most of the time i won't read them um i much prefer like the bioshock play and audio log while i walk through the level like lore mm-hmm. dump but in control, I stopped and read everything because they were so interesting. I really love those. Yeah, and in a lot of cases, very funny and like absurdist. Yeah, for sure. And they they look like real office memos, um, which is yeah. you know really good. Fits in. Definitely, definitely. And I just love I love the whole like 
juxtaposition of like uh kind of the supernatural or in some cases like sci-fi like i don't know if you watched loki but loki just did this recently too um but like that whole element up against like what we understand is very retro like 60s and 70s computer tech like old crt screens and big reel-to-reel tape machines and stuff like that Mm -hmm. yeah it was very cool it's a cool setting i'll have to follow up with you when i finally finish it yeah for sure Uh, and like all of that set inside of like a you know a government building Uh, we've all been inside government buildings we know how boring they are but in in control could not be further from boring and that's it's just a cool cool setting definitely definitely what about you what have you been playing yeah i let's see i finished i was uh playing and streaming the hitman one levels uh, getting ready for this and i recently played um i finished playing silent hill 2 for the first time uh, which will make an appearance on this show Uh, but i was pleasantly surprised by playing a ps2 game um in 2021 I'm not normally someone who likes older games a whole lot, but this one was really good. Um, Heck yeah. I'm not sure I've ever played a Silent Hill game. I saw the movie. Yeah. It was meh. <laughs> I didn't see the movie because I'm really uh, horror averse. So <laughs> so you decided to jump into Silent Hill. Yeah. Well, I, I had heard, I'd always heard that it had a great story, Silent Hill 2. And then... I heard from enough people that I trust that it doesn't have jump scares and it's just scary atmosphere, which I can handle. Uh, jump scares did, was is what that true? I can't do. Yes, it was true. So nice. happy to report. Um, I can still trust people. <laughs> good, good. Um, and uh, recently finished playing one of the Castlevania games that just got released for uh, Game Boy Advance. Like the Game Boy Advance collection just got released on Switch. And um, I kind of tested all three of them and found one that I really, really like, um, Aria of Sorrow. And I played that on my lunch breaks at work and had a great time. Nice. Very cool. So we're recording this um, early October, getting into the like the Halloween mood with Silent Hill and Castlevania. I'm not going to play a bunch of horror games, but I am going to play a bunch of games with skeletons. So that's how that's how I'm going to do October. There you go. There you go. Um let's uh let's get into Hitman. Let's do it. So, uh Hitman, uh for everyone listening, um, if you haven't played Hitman, uh 2016 uh kind of re revision of uh the whole series, um Hitman has a story and stories can be spoiled however i think that the hitman story is basically nonsense uh so we're still going to have a spoiler section at the end Um, but the real thing that can be spoiled in my opinion is the levels and going through and discovering these things for yourself so the spoiler section in this podcast is going to be focused on the levels and like what stories we found inside the levels for how to get the um, assassinations so before the spoiler section we'll discuss the mechanics and then we'll we'll briefly talk about the levels and the story but uh deep detail on level talk will be after the spoiler wall at the end so uh, let's get started with our histories with uh hitman uh scott 
what uh what brought you to the series so hitman's a game i I mean they've been coming out with games since what like 2000 or something like that um and the 2016 hitman is the very first one that i've ever actually played which is weird because it 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 has it is right up my alley it is like i used to love or it seems to be right up my alley i've always loved like the splinter cell games back in the day right um and so like i never played any of the older hitman games uh and then it was um i I play most of my games on on google stadia and it was like the first of the hitman games this was after this would have been before hitman 3 came out um so probably sometime in like 2019 2020 uh i they had the first hitman game up for like uh, as a free game on with my like subscription or whatever right and so i downloaded it uh i played like one level of it and then i promptly went and bought like all of the event like paid full price for all of the available content <laughs> like i just instantly oh, fell in love with it um and uh uh and then again bought uh, hitman 3 when it came out and have kind of been just sort of obsessed with it for the last two years or so but um yeah, it's it's not. Uh, I, I'm not familiar with the older games uh, from from the series. Gotcha. Uh, I actually did play one of the older games uh, in the series. I remember renting it for the Xbox 360, and I hated it so much. <laughs> um, and I, I'm I've been thinking about why I hated it so much, and I think it's just because like these games have a certain way to play and I was trying to play it like other, you know, third person shooters or something like that. And it just didn't work. I died constantly and was just having no fun at all. So when Hitman 2016 came out, um, actually I didn't hear about it cause I wasn't really playing video games in 2016. Um, but some, uh, some podcasts that I really like talked about, uh, all of the the recent hitman games um so i was kind of like and they they all just fucking loved it and i i was thinking to myself like oh, i'm am i missing out on something here like they are saying that this might be their favorite game ever and i trust these people so i should probably go check it out so i bought hitman 2 and i had a bad time again cuz i wasn't <laughs> i wasn't like it couldn't figure out how it was supposed to be played um, but I kept with it and um, really, really got into it. And I played, so I played the Hitman 2016 levels as DLC for Hitman 2. And then I replayed them again uh, in the Hitman 3 engine um, just last week or a couple weeks ago. So that's kind of my history with it. It's two separate times I came to the series and absolutely hated it. <laughs> but I, I came around and it's definitely one of my favorites now too. Was the um I guess I'm not sure when it came out, but on 360 would that have been Hitman Absolution? I can't tell you familiar? if it was Absolution or Blood Money or whatever the subtitle was. Um it was a long time ago. I want to say that Absolution which may have been the last game they came out with before uh the the this world of assassination trilogy started um i think it was like famously bad and like was almost like the last hitman game that ever came out so you're saying you're saying that this was not my fault it was the game's fault <laughs> if that was the game you've played that's all i'm saying yeah but i just think it's just a, it's a testament to how good this this trilogy is 
to have had this game that I'd never played, but even I like am aware of as being like kind of a flop. Uh, and now has this trilogy of games that like everybody is talking about and is in love with. Yeah. And the studio is so uh, well regarded that they got the keys to the James Bond franchise, uh, making games, making a new game for that, uh, which is. Yeah, which is going to be Hitman, right? With a James Bond coat of paint. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, which I'm excited about. I'll play it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's going to be good. I mean, I. I'm not a, the biggest James Bond fan, but I like these games, and I don't hate James Bond, so I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to like the, <laughs> the Bond game. Yeah, for sure. So I'd give it a shot. Let's get into um, Hitman, and let's let's kind of talk about what makes Hitman special. Uh, key things from Hitman before we get into the story and the uh, levels. So uh, let's start talking about the main character, because I think this is a great main character a very memorable character and that's agent 47 uh, who is an extremely bald contract killer with a barcode tattoo on the back of his head uh, which you would think makes it hard for him to blend in but it never does because he's the best um 47 is uh he he seems really stiff and boring when you first start playing and the more time you spend with him the more you hear his dialogue the more you like um get in conversations with people you realize that 47's like one of the funniest characters out there this this dry uh subtle humor with lots of wordplay um he's just very every time he talks now i laugh no matter what he can say like sir your room is ready and i'm like oh my god 47 like you're the best <laughs> I, I don't know what it is Oh yeah. Oh yeah. His dialogue is hilarious and his like he is at once like a a blank canvas and also like completely unforgettable. You know what I yeah. mean? Like he's just like he's he's like you said like he's tall and bald and chiseled and he's got a barcode on the back of his head but also, you know, I- ironically can like blend in as anyone. Um, yeah. But the 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 dialogue writing is so good. And like the humor is so fucking funny, uh, in the way that it's like cheese. Like he's he's it's just very very common for you to hear him say things like, you know, I'm sure you'll find it's to die for before serving somebody poisoned food or something like that. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. But the delivery of those lines, like that that line in a different game, could be just extremely cringy. But in this setting and with. 47 as the character and the way that he's voice acted it's it's always good it like just always lands for me yeah he's got this very like deadpan that makes it makes it very funny yeah for sure and you mentioned how he can blend in as anybody which is one of the other like just very funny things that once you notice this you'll like you'll love every single time which is that uh, 47 can do anything well. Uh, if mm-hmm. he's he needs to impersonate a uh, a waiter, he knows how to wait tables. He can do a convincing waiter. Um, we'll talk sp- more specifically uh, later in the spoiler section. But like, if you need 47 to like fly a helicopter, he can. He knows how. Uh, if you need him to walk the runway as a model, he knows how. He can do it, and <laughs> he can do it convincingly. Yeah, 
tattoo artist, a massage therapist, a, just like anything that takes technical skill, he knows how to do it. Yeah, it's it's like I didn't notice this at first, but once I noticed like, hey, he's giving a real estate tour right now and he's the the other person's buying it. And I was like, oh, he, he can just do anything he wants. And now every time he does it, I'm like, fuck, yeah, 47, you give a real estate tour. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hilarious to watch it's and to listen to. So in the later games, he gets some you know, character development beyond, um, you know, his, his jokes and stuff like that. Like he has a story that goes through these three games. Um, in the first game, it's, there's not a whole lot to it, um, with him specifically. He's just kind of like starting out and doing his contracts, but the whole time he's, he's still extremely charming, very funny. Uh, and like, if we're talking about like favorite video game, uh, like player characters or something like that, 47 is, is way up on the list for me just because of how memorable and, uh, like charming he is. Definitely. Definitely. And, and I can't, and I can't, uh, I don't, this isn't like a gameplay spoiler. So if you feel like we need to cut it or bleep it or something, that's totally cool. But like the fact that his like alias's name is Tobias Reaper is just like, (laughs) ah, chef's kiss. Yeah, it's an, just another example of, like, just very, like, you know, not exactly subtle, uh, but very funny and clever um, writing from uh, from the people who wrote the game. Tobias yeah. Reaper is 47's um, alias when he checks into a hotel or something like that. It's, it's very, very good. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about the, the thing that kind of the thing you're doing basically in the game, uh, which is like the stealth and what makes this series special standing out from other stealth games, like, you know, metal gear solid or something like that. And, um, I've heard people describe Hitman as an immersive SIM. And I kind of disagree with that definition because you, you should be stealthy in these games. I think that like the game wants you to be stealthy and it wants you to be stealthy in the way that the game has designed for you. So this was what kind of made it hard for me at the beginning because I wasn't used to what this game wanted me to do. But once I got used to it, it it's one of my favorite things to do uh, in, in a game. And I have a hard time playing other stealth games now because of how good this is. So I call this immersive stealth instead of uh, full-on immersive sim, like, you know, Dishonored or something like that. Mm -hmm. So once you get your head around the flow of how the game wants you to play, it's extremely good. Um, Do you agree with my kind of distinction there, or do do you feel like you don't have to play it stealthy? You can play it not stealthy if you want, uh... And probably succeed if you try hard enough. Um, it is clearly not the way the game is meant to be played. Um, I, I assume you mean like you know c- completing your targets like guns blazing, right? Right. Uh, which is like you can, and honestly, I think it's kind of weird how little that kind of play is encouraged compared to how many like the huge variety of those kinds of weapons that are available in the game. Like you can just unlock like tons of shotguns and assault rifles and submachine guns. And I'm like. I'm never going to use these. Yeah. This is... But I do also... This is kind of a... Go ahead. 
um, I was just gonna say, I do think there's like there are a number of different flavors of stealth that you can employ to complete your objective. Right. As opposed to if you're playing like guns blazing, you, I don't know. I think that these games are decent, like third person shooters, like the mechanics are there. It, it feels good to shoot, but you can just tell like they have, if they have 20 systems in the game for stealth, and then they're like, you can also shoot people, but we're not going to put a bunch of stuff in to help you shoot people. You basically, you can like take cover and you can shoot and that's about it. And 47 can take a couple of hits before he dies. Um, it, it's just, I can't imagine playing this game loud. It, it's a stealth game through and through to me. And if you get into a gunfight, you can shoot your way out. But the way that, you know, everyone gets alerted if they hear gunshots, I I basically just quick load if people start shooting at me. Oh, yeah, it's a big red button. I mean, like... The, the moment you fire like a loud gun, like it's not just about how many hits you can take versus the people that are immediately around you because like every guard on the map is on their way to you. <laughs> right. Right. Um, right. But I would almost even call it like, I, I, I prefer to like the, the genre that I first go to when somebody asks me what kind of game it is, is, is actually more of like, I'm more considerate like a puzzle game um, because each of these levels is, as we'll get into like kind of an intricately designed, like, I don't know, like a little simulation and like getting to getting super familiar with how it works and how it plays out is like key to those stealth tactics working and and resulting in satisfying conclusions. Right. So let's talk about those uh, stealth tactics. The thing that makes Hitman's stealth go is, I think, the disguise system um, above basically everything else. So... This is not a stealth game where you're hiding in the shadows and you're not, you know, hiding behind blocks and waiting for guards to turn their back before you move behind the next set of blocks or something like that. This is, I mean, you do do that stuff, but most of the time you're hiding in plain sight by swapping disguises. Um, if you see an NPC uh, with a different outfit from you, you can kill them or incapacitate them and steal their outfit. And their outfit acts like a key to walk through or like a pass to walk through certain areas. So for example, um, if you see a soldier and you take them out and you put on the soldier outfit, you can go wherever soldiers uh, would be able to go. And that can get you into the next area and you know, um, Maybe like you're trying to go into a kitchen, like a hotel kitchen, a soldier would not be welcome there. So they would not want you in the kitchen. They'd yell at you to leave. And if you don't leave, they'd get hostile or uh, get an alarm going. But uh, then you get the, you know, a chef's outfit and you can hang out in the kitchen and do whatever you want. This works most of the time. Uh, and something I think is really clever is that some enemies will see through your disguise. So like, Using that kitchen example, you're in the kitchen uh, wearing a chef's outfit. The kitchen supervisor will know that you're not one of their staff, and they'll uh, be suspicious of you. So I think this disguise system is what really makes the stealth go above everything else. Um, what do you think, Scott? I totally agree, and I think that like it, it's it's the the... You might call it part of the same system, but I think it's it's kind of a subtly different system. But the 
the way that trespass the trespassing system works and so like so right. each level is broken up into like a bunch of discrete areas and um the permission to be in that area is dependent on like what your disguise is right and so it re- results in these situations where like you you try to go into a place and a guard says like no sir you can't come in here and then somebody else will like walk right past you and walk right into it and you find yourself asking yourself like okay I can't get in there, but like that guy can. How come? Right? And so you start like as you as you start experimenting with taking people out and putting on different disguises and seeing like what which parts of the map each disguise gives you access to, uh you get like this really interesting like understanding of the fabric of of each level um and like where you can go and who who can who can do what. Um The other thing I think is really interesting about the disguise system is that the uh the I think they're I think enforcers is what they're called the ones that can see through your disguise. Um, mm-hmm. They actually get like more intense the higher up in importance you go. So like you know if you're in like a big hotel and you steal like a, a server's outfit, like only the the kitchen supervisor is going to be the one that that recognizes you, right? Like no one else remembers who like the hotel servers are. So like you can get past everybody, but like. If your target has, you know, their own like elite security detail and there's only like 10 of them on the map, then they all know each other, which means that stealing one of their disguises is going to be really hard to sneak past anyone else. Right. Right. So like the more important the disguise you're wearing is, the more likely it is that that uh, or the, the, the more enforcers you will probably encounter. Right. Yeah. And so like that, um, this we talked about how these levels are kind of like puzzles. And this is one of the major things to solving the puzzle is figuring out how to move from area to area, um, how to avoid the enforcers, the ones who can see through your disguise. And you're just steadily getting closer and closer to your target again. And most of the time you're just in plain sight, everyone can see you, which is, I I find this to be a much more fun version of stealth uh, than I wait in the shadows for the guard to make his rounds. As soon as he walks past me, I, uh, you know, go behind him and uh, go the other way when he's not looking. Um, In this way, like you said, you see a waiter go into uh, the kitchen or something like that. And for some reason, you need to be in the kitchen. So you're like, I need to take out that waiter or I need to get a waiter's outfit so I can get in there. And then this just repeats and repeats until you uh, get closer to your target. And like you said, um, once you get close to the target, it becomes much harder to just, you know, have a waiter's outfit and walk up to this, you know, elite person that you're trying to take out. So one thing that helps you do this is the opportunity or mission story system. In Hitman 2016, they're called opportunities. But if you're playing in the other engines from Hitman 2 or Hitman 3, they're called mission stories. So... Uh, these are like these are like bespoke scenarios where you're going to impersonate somebody else uh, that's like designed for you to do this and you're gonna follow a little mini story uh, to get close to um, the target separate them and usually kill them in a very uh, satisfying way and uh, one of my favorite things is when you walk into a level and you see another bald white guy and you're like, oh, there's <laughs> going to be a story to take that guy out. I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait to see what this guy's up to. 
because you know 47 is the whitest baldest man in the history of humankind so those are always and almost good. every level has somebody that looks exactly like him yeah <laughs> yeah exactly How and convenient. uh they there's there's some sometimes there's callbacks to like previous level mission stories um it, it's just very very good uh most of the time when i play um i follow these mission stories uh, i don't there's been a couple times we'll talk about later where I didn't follow the mission story and I kind of just freestyled, but I find the mission stories really fun and um, I do enjoy a little bit of guidance uh, to help me get close to the target too. So Scott, do you tend to freestyle or do you follow the uh, mission stories opportunities? So I have like a, <laughs> I've, I've, I've reached the point where I kind of have like a, a process down for for every time I play like a new hitman level and so generally what I'll do is I'll start uh the first time I play a level like I'll go in cold I won't look at any of the mission stories in the menu or anything like that I'll just like watch the briefing and then get dropped in and with the goal of just like eliminating the targets and if I happen across a mission story I will probably take it um but many times that's not happened um, and then after my first playthrough, then I'll go back and I'll play through however many times I need to, to like actually play through all of the mission stories. And like each level's probably got between, what would you say, like between three and five or three and six mission stories. Yeah. Some of them have a lot like, yeah, each target usually has at least three and some levels yeah. have three targets. So, yeah. Yeah, and and uh, Sapienza, which we'll get to, is huge, and I know has like a ton of mission stories. But like, so I'll go through and I'll play through all those, um, and then once I've done that, then I go back through and I start working on like the challenges, and we can get into more of this later. But like, there's all there's challenges that like completing them like earns XP, right? Um, uh, which unlocks like mastery and more gear and stuff like that. But it's there's like the mission stories are very cool and very like scripted and, and very satisfying, but there is still just like a ton of nuanced ways to get the job done, even outside of the mission stories. Um, and if you only stick to the mission stories, you'll like miss out on some of that like emergent opportunity stuff. Um, yeah. So I kind of like to, sure. I kind of like to do them in, uh, do them all, but do them like in, in an order that doesn't spoil them for me ahead of time, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I tend to actually seek them out. And if I'm going through a level and I haven't found a mission story after like, you know, 20 minutes or something like that, I'll usually just look up like, Hey, what's one of the mission stories I haven't done? How do I trigger this? Uh, so I can follow it. Um, I am not, I'm not the best at like freestyling stuff like that, but, yeah. um, you mentioned the challenges. We can just mention those right now. So each level has, uh, I, I want to say 50, 75 challenges uh, that oh, you yeah, can that um, complete. It There's a lot. And so there'll be things like you get a challenge for um, killing this person by pushing them off a building. Or like you get a, you get a, you complete a challenge by uh, seeing something unique in the level or something like that. There's just so many of these things. And I don't really go hunting for them, but what I do like is how at the end of the level, they show you the challenges that you got, and then you see how many other things there are. And you can look at those challenges and say like, oh, I had no idea I could like kill this person by making a stuffed animal fall on them. 
or something like that. I'm going to try that next time. Uh, yeah. It gives you so many ideas for repeat playthroughs of the levels. Yeah, and I think I think the other thing that contributes to that is is the way that like so when you're walking around a level and the, and you find something to interact with, the little like button prompt shows up over it and it will tell you what you're going to do. Uh but it will also if if what you're going to do requires something you're not carrying, it will tell you what you're missing, right? So it'll be like, right. I don't know, here's a a cannon or whatever and it's like you can't do that cuz you don't have gunpowder. Like you can't help but make the mental note, like, oh, I'm definitely gonna come back here. I'm like at some point I'm gonna have to come back here after I find some gunpowder and see what I can do with this thing. Yeah, for sure. Especially when it's you know, sometimes it's like you can't open this box because you don't have a crowbar. Then you open up the box and it's like, oh, there's some grenades in here that I'll never use because I don't want to be loud. But uh oftentimes it is like uh it's use the cannon example or another one it's like oh you can make this light fixture fall down uh if you loosen it up i better come back here when i get a wrench or something like that it just gives you so many ideas and it it really shows me how replayable these levels are and i'm not someone who replays games but these levels i feel like are for me the type of like player that i am they're basically infinitely replayable i mean there's a limit if you're doing the challenges and doing the mission stories, you're going to run out of stuff, but you're going to play it at least like at least five to 10 times before you do that. And just shows you how much cool shit there is in each of these levels. Yeah. And I mean, even beyond that, like, you know, they've, they've released, um, you know, DLCs have, have included like new targets on existing maps um there is a whole like contract system like where where users can play a level and designate any uh individual on the map as the target and and set like conditions for like what weapon you have to kill them with and what uh what outfit you have to be wearing when you do it and so when you go on like into the like user generated content section of of the game like you can just there're just like hundreds of of contracts that you can start you know, you can play the same map over and over and over and be tasked with killing different people in different ways every single time. Right. And uh, you mentioned some of the other packs, like not not the user-created stuff, but the stuff that the developers keep putting out, um, like the elusive targets and uh, escalation missions, which they, they all make you replay the same maps again. But... Um, well, I'll let you talk about it because I haven't played them. So I, instead of guessing, I'll let you uh, explain what those are about. Sure. So uh, so elusive targets are, uh, I think, really cool in concept. I have only attempted three of them so far, and I have failed every single one. <laughs> but the way that they work <laughs> is that they are, um, they're like limited time engagements, right? So like they will launch, they will go live at a certain time um or on a certain day and they will you'll have like 10 days and if you don't attempt it in 10 days you miss your chance uh and then if you do attempt it um you can only kind of like you can start the level but like the moment if you die or if you um uh fail the mission after you begin completing objectives uh that's it you don't get to like try again um, so you really only get like one shot to try to to try to assassinate this target, which will be on a map that you've already played, but it'll be a different target. 
Um, right. And I just, I keep getting into these situations where like, I'll go after them and I'll, I'll be like, okay, I think I got a clean shot and then I'll take a shot. And then like, somebody will see me and then like, I just won't be able to get out before they kill me. Right. Um, right. So they're, they're, I think they're cooler in concept than I actually enjoy playing them. Gotcha. And do they tend to focus on like different parts of the level that maybe like the main, the main mission stories didn't have you like messing around in or is it kind of the same um they can i would say so i I mean they certainly don't take you to so like for example and and we can get more specifically into the into the levels you know later in the spoiler break but like in bangkok like um one of them one i did the other day was like in the restaurant area which is not off limits in the main mission but like you don't you probably don't spend a lot of time in the restaurant area, like figuring out all the NPC paths and like the different like, mm-hmm. ways in and out of it, right? So like they they focus you on parts of the level that you probably weren't focused on before, but um, they don't necessarily like introduce you to new parts of the level that you've never seen before. Gotcha. get back into like what makes these games um immersive you've heard we've heard heard me say the word immersive a few times and how i think that these are immersive stealth games and so the thing that makes it immersive is the the way that there are so many small systems throughout the game that uh interlock with each other and they work with each other uh we talked about the like the alertness or the trespassing system we talked about the disguise system there's so many other things for like how to get people's attention, how to get them to like walk over into a, a secluded area. Um, you know, if you see a puddle of water and you see some uh, wires, you can electrify the water and then you can use one of the distraction systems to get someone to walk over near the water and electrocute themselves. Um, and then there's another system where if people see the body, they'll freak out and trigger an alarm and all of these things work together and they they really make this feel like they make these levels feel like real places with real people who don't exactly react the way real people would but it it's pretty good you can predict what the people are going to do which in a video game i think that's really valuable when especially a stealth game when you can predict what people are going to do because they do that every time so some examples are like you get these coins and uh, if you throw a coin, someone will be like, hey, sweet, a coin. And they'll walk over to go pick it up. And you can use it to uh, get someone to not see you as you sneak past. You can lure them into an empty room uh, where you can take them out without being sighted. Um, you have a silenced pistol. And if you shoot something with the pistol, people will go investigate the bullet hole, uh, which is very helpful for getting you know, a guard to walk over where other people can't see them. Um, you get these poisons, uh, you can poison somebody's food and they'll run into the bathroom to puke where you can, uh, you know, do a little, little swirly, uh, on them. (laughs) 
<laughs> the lethal swirly. Yeah. Yeah, the uh the 47 special. Um <laughs> and so once you go through these levels and you get a hang on like how these systems work, you it's all of these this knowledge that you have in the back of your head. You're like, okay, this th- I need this guy to move. I need him to get out of the way. All I have is like a wrench. What can I do with that? And if you've played and you've experienced like, oh, if I throw this wrench, he'll be distracted by the noise. He'll walk over to check it out and then I can get past where he was. Um, all of these things, uh, all of these systems, they, they work together really, really well. And you are rewarded for being creative most of the time. Um, is there anything in there that I missed, uh, like kind of notable systems for that kind of stuff? Um, I don't know about systems, but like, I mean, every level has like environmental stuff that you can mess with that can do. I mean, so I think one of the things that I think is, is, is important to understand is that each level is like, it is a self-contained simulation, right? Like if you start a level and you just do nothing, you just stand there, like it's populated with, with dozens or sometimes hundreds of NPCs that are all on loops and, and they'll go about their business and they'll just like they'll keep cycling around and they'll like the the level will continue to play itself out as long as you don't interfere but then the moment you start interfering everything you interfere with has the potential to like chain react right like if you discover that like two people uh meet in the park at a certain time and you uh do something to person a that prevents them from making that meeting, then person B is going to change their behavior when they get to the park and the person A is not there to meet. Right. And so like the, the, I think the, the beauty of this, of these games is, is the repetition, the way that they encourage repetition uh, as a way of creating that sense of like, I am an elite assassin. Like I, I can predict what's going to happen uh, because yeah. I've played, played the level several times. Um but I think like that's that's a lot kind of the point um, because because it, it lets you stop seeing the people on the map as individual people and more like AI routines, even though the game very much encourages you to use like your real world reasoning to figure out how like the consequences of your actions. Yeah, that's um, a good way to say it. And so like every level has depending on on where it's located or what the environment's like it's got these environmental things that you can mess with you can uh like send cars rolling down the road or like trigger you know um windows or doors to open that people will notice and be like oh that's not supposed to happen i should go over here and investigate and like you said that's like often exactly what you need to do to just kind of create that opening where you can sneak right past right exactly and uh, we'll talk about like specific experiences with this because um, I-, I said earlier I don't I don't tend to freestyle much. I like to follow the the mission stories. Um, but when I am forced to freestyle, uh, it often works out really well because um, I have a-, a pretty good knowledge of how NPCs are going to react to the things that I do, and uh, you. If you understand that, you can use it to your advantage in a very predictable uh, and easily executable way, which is really, really awesome. And it lends to the uh, the immersive uh, element of this. It's really, really good. 
Well, and it's, I think it's, it's also almost one of my favorite things about the challenges system is that, um, every single level has a challenge for, uh, a challenge called, uh, suit only silent assassin. Um, and those are two separate challenges in their own regard, suit only being complete the, the mission without changing your disguise, like in the suit that you were wearing when you, when you showed up. Uh, and then Silent Assassin is, of course, like, don't let any bodies be found. Don't let anybody see you doing anything illegal. Every single mission is doable under those conditions, right? Like, you, you can have you, do... Have you done that you, before? I've done it on a few of them. I, there are, honestly, there are some of them that I truly do not know how you do it. Like, I believe that it's possible. I still have not yet figured out how you would do them because they're just like, right. there's so many people everywhere. Like, how do you... I don't know. But, like, you can do that. You can play this like a, like, don't hide in plain sight, hide in the shadows, don't let anybody see you kind of thing. Um, but, like, that intimate knowledge of where everybody is going to go and when is, like, necessary for completing those kinds of challenges. And I've watched, like, speedruns where people will, like, they'll they'll do a suit-only silent assassin run in, like, two minutes on a huge map because they just know like they could do it with their eyes closed. They practiced so many times they could do it with their eyes closed. Cause they know like, all right, at this moment, this guard's going to have his back turned and I can just bump up against him and then pick up the, you know what I mean? Like you just chain one thing to the next and everything plays out exactly the same way each time you start it. Right. And I, like I went through, I, I played it for the first time, I think last year and I played it again like last week. So it's been, it, I had about a year I'll say between playthroughs and it was kind of, it was very cool to me how every time I booted up a level uh, to replay it, I instantly remembered like all of these things about like what the NPCs do and like uh, different areas in there, how to get into them. And it's, it's, it's really, really good. It just speaks to how well these levels are designed and you don't have to listen to us talk about, how well the levels are designed there are so many like youtube videos and stuff breaking down like in detail just how intricately designed they are um they're the best let's uh let's talk about um the levels briefly um before uh with without you know specific spoilers um i think for me each one of the level plays takes about an hour um that sound right for you scott uh, yeah, I would say that was probably an average on my first couple playthroughs. There were a couple of them that took me a little longer than that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the first time I played, this was in Hitman 2, but the first time I played the Miami level, it took me like two hours because I was really just getting used to how so everything much works. Going on too. Yeah, it's a big level. Um, but it's about an hour, and a lot of that time is spent you know, exploring the level, finding stuff, finding disguises, um, getting closer and closer to your target. Um, it's really, really good. Let's, uh, let's talk about the levels in Hitman 2016, uh, which are the levels are other than 47's personality and like how the stealth systems are set up. I think the levels are the absolute star uh, of the game. And we, we, we've already praised them a lot. The levels are really pretty. They're full of NPCs with their routines. Uh, the attention to detail for what every NPC is going to be doing is really good or like where NPCs are stationed so that, you know, 
you're in a restaurant, there's a dude that's just like supervising the whole restaurant. So if you're going to do something in the restaurant, you need to make sure that guy can't see you, uh, for example. Um, one thing that I think the level is good about the levels is that they're they're pretty big, but they're not unwieldy. Um, and if they are huge levels, they're set, they're broken into like distinct chunks that don't really interact with each other aside from a few people that kind of go between them. And that really lets the developers set up these clockwork, uh, playgrounds, which is just there. It's a joy to play. Once you're into how the game plays, the levels are just a joy. So, um, we have Paris is the first mission. Uh, I'm not really counting the tutorials. There are tutorial missions uh, before this. Uh, you have Paris, which is a fashion show. You have the small town of Sapienza, Italy, which is a uh, you know a small beachside town and a research lab. Um, you have Marrakesh, Morocco, where you're going through the streets and a market area. You also have an embassy, uh, a consulate, I think it's the Swedish consulate, and mm -hmm. a school building. Um, you have Bangkok, which is a giant hotel resort. You have Denver, Colorado, which is kind of like a militia compound. And then you have Hokkaido, Japan, which is like an ultra-elite medical facility. Scott, which one of these levels would you say is your uh, favorite or a couple that really stand out? I think pretty much without question, Sapienza is just one of my favorite pieces of level design in all of video games. Um, there are each Hitman 2 and 3 have levels that come close to 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 maybe supplanting it in my mind, but I, I still think it, it takes the cake as my favorite Hitman World of Assassination level um, ever. It's just such a... It's so rich, and um, and there are so many different discrete areas. I, like you said, there are a lot of uh, levels that are, are big and sprawling, but broken up into little, uh, like, discrete chunks. Um, that's not not true of Sapienza, but I think that Sapienza does a better job of, um, as you wander through the level, it doesn't feel like discrete chunks. You know what I mean? You never get that yeah. sense, okay, I'm in between space A and B right now on my way to space B. Like, it's very seamless and it blends in. And it's 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 also like Paris, which I think is, is a very brilliantly designed first level. And honestly, its design, I think, make is, is such that it could have just been the tutorial level. Like, I think almost the tutorial level was not even necessary because of how... Uh, how beautifully Paris introduces uh, one core mechanic or system after another to you. Um, but Paris takes place in like this, this giant like mansion and like it's, it's surrounding, it's relatively small surrounding grounds. Sapienza is an entire like beach town. Like you can wander up and down streets and you can go inside some, some uh, like apartment buildings and it's, it's got a lot of verticality to it. Um, and I just think it's it's it truly feels like you are discovering people in everyday life uh, as you wander through and and find um, and find your opportunities or or you know your items or whatever you, you, is going to clue you into how you're going to take your targets down. I also think it's really interesting because it um, for the most part the the levels have uh, there are a couple, with a couple of of exceptions uh, it's it's pretty average to have two 
tar like targets to assassinate as the objective for a level. Um, and Sapienza mm -hmm. introduces a third non-assassination uh, objective, um, which I think is really, really neat. Uh, right. Hokkaido is probably my second favorite in this set. Um, it's beautiful and interesting and, uh, I don't know, walks the line of being, like, out there, but still, like, just just realistic enough for me to want to suspend my disbelief. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think because it's the last one, uh, you know, after you've played six levels by now, um, it, it kind of has the opportunity to like take some of the mechanics you've gotten used to and flip them on its head with like its door system, um, which I imagine we'll probably talk a little bit more about after the spoiler wall. Um, yeah, for sure. That's one good thing you mentioned about the, uh, the suspension of disbelief. Um, you know, I recently I I tried to play Metal Gear Solid Five, and you're in it. It's you're in just the, this giant like army base or something like that, basically. And that's you know I've never been inside of an army base. I don't have experience with that, but I have been to small towns on the seaside, uh, like Sapienza. I have been to a crowded market, like in the Marrakesh level. I've been to Bangkok. Um, I've seen like the hotels and stuff that are there. Mm -hmm. And so you get, when you're playing these levels, they're often, you know, there, there is like some, you know, secret society, you know, like the Hokkaido levels, like an ultra elite medical facility. Obviously I've never been there, but most of the time in these levels, you're in locations that like you probably have some experience or connection to uh, at least some of them. And it really goes a long way to like, you know, your walking through the market in Marrakesh and there's a shitload of people in there. It's loud. There's like smoke. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's just really good to have levels like this in, you know, scenarios and locations where you probably have a connection to at least one of these, uh, something about them will make it feel familiar to you. You, you know, you're in, you're in Sapienza. There's, it's a little cafe and you need to do some stuff in the cafe and it's like, you know, I've been in a small town. I've been in cafes like this. It it just makes it feel a little bit more immersive than army base after army base after army base, which is how a lot of uh, a lot of stealth games tend to go. And you know, you know, there you you met, you've never been to Hokkaido, but you've been in a hospital, right? Like you know how yeah. people are supposed to act in a hospital. And I think that there's like like the NPCs will like even the the no name NPCs like that don't really give a shit what you're doing will like look at you funny if you're like crouching next to them or like behaving funny yeah. right and so <laughs> yeah. like there is a certain element of of playing the game that is literally like behaving like a normal person in these spaces and like you know what people are supposed to behave like in a in a street market or in a in a hospital you might not in an army base right um, right and so, like that kind of, I think that kind of helps with that immersion. Uh, and and again, like I mentioned before, like it it helps you use your real world knowledge about how other people behave in these environments um, in order to like kind of gauge how people are going to react to what you do. Like there's there's you you're constantly running into these moments where you're like you see a thing that you want to do and you're like surveying the area around you and you're trying to figure out like can I get away with this right now? Are too many people looking at me? Yeah. Right. Like, and I think your implicit understanding of what a small town square is like, like a fountain square is like, 
helps you like fact like do that calculus and figure out whether or not it's worth it to take that risk at this point. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you know, uh, in Bangkok, Bangkok's a giant hotel. Um, we've all been in hotels and you know, uh, where you're not allowed to go in a hotel and that mm-hmm. kind of, I mean, there's a system in the game that lets you know if you're in a place you're not supposed to be in and the NPCs will, uh, react, uh, negatively to that. But like you, you, you don't really need that in a lot of these places, you know, that you're not allowed to go in the basement of a hotel down where they store all the food and stuff like that. And so you're you're using that like if you find a if you find a situation where you're like I really need to go down in the you know the wine cellar right now uh, I'm not allowed down there so I, before I go down there and the NPCs yell at me I'm gonna find a, a disguise to help me get down there and yeah it's that a word immersion keeps coming up over and over again and it's just the way the levels are designed is just so good you're making decisions like that a hundred times in each level. And every time, most of the time it works out in the way you expect. And it's really, really satisfying. Yeah. And I think, I I know that this is not everybody's cup of tea, but like, I think that you do a lot of observing in this game. Like, you You definitely do. Yeah. When I, when, when, when you, when you say a level takes like on average an hour uh, and, and even the longer ones that I've played, like, a good chunk of that time is 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 standing somewhere where I know is safe to stand and just like watching people's like p- patrol patterns or like um shoot we haven't even talked about like instinct um but like you can there there's like a vision mode that you can throw on that like you can see your targets and it also like it tends like it grays out everything on the screen and highlights your targets uh which you can see kind of like through walls like highlighted in red just so you can kind of get the gist of like where they are in relation to you but it also highlights in yellow like anything you can interact with and so you just spend a ton of time like holding that button and looking around and looking at like okay there's like a water spigot and there's like a light that I can shatter. I bet I can set up an electrocution trap here. You know what I mean? Like you just spend a lot of time, like not acting, just watching. Right. I actually don't play with that um, instinct mode, (laughs) Witcher vision or whatever, because uh, I forget that it's in the game. Um, Which blows my mind. I, I play. I mean, I'm sure the first time I played it, I used it, and then I didn't play it for a year, and I just forgot that it's in there because you don't need it. You totally don't. It's very, very helpful. But and I'm not saying this as like me pulling out my gamer card or something. Yeah. It's it's super helpful, but the levels are set up in such a uh, they're so well set up that you don't need this. Um, you can use it to help you find objects to interact with, which would be super helpful. Uh, sometimes you're like, I just need a fucking wrench. Just show me where I can find a wrench. Um, but you you don't need to have that on all the time. It's not going to like tell you how to do things. You still have to use the knowledge that you have um, to, you know, take care of whatever small goal you have at the time, whether it's like killing the target or whether it's like you said, setting up a trap or something like that. So let's uh let's move on. Let's talk about the story just a little bit. So 47 is an unnamed man uh who is brought into the ICA uh, which is the International Contract Agency. It's, a, it's very generic. Yeah. 
he's really good uh, at being an assassin. Uh, there is a bit of a thing where they can't figure out who he is, uh, which kind of disturbs this guy named Eric Sauters, who is the ICA's training director. Um, 47 has a handler uh, in his ear uh, at all times as you play. Kind of, I mentioned her before, but her name is Diana. And they kind of go through these tests. 47 becomes a, um, you know, a contract killer. He does a bunch of contracts. Um, he is like their top assassin. He's, he's basically John Wick, you know, like he has like reverence throughout the organization. People are like 47. This guy doesn't miss. Don't fuck with 47. Like, and kind of how the story goes, um, I actually had to look this up, even though I've played this game twice. The story just bounces off of me. Um, but <laughs> 47 gets a bunch of contracts. They appear to be unrelated, but they gradually uncover information that they are related. Uh, so, And there's this secret organization called Providence, um, who's, it's like a, you know, Illuminati type thing. Uh, who basically control world affairs, uh, who were thought to be a myth. It turns out they're real. Uh, so in my opinion, the story, uh, like I said, it bounces off of me. It's just so many names and code names and organizations, proper noun soup. Uh, I, I just can't get into it, especially in the, this first game. In Hitman 3, the story was a little bit easier to follow. In the first game, I have trouble caring about it any more than just like a way to set up these levels that 47 goes into. So uh, without, you know, getting real deep into it, um, how do you feel about the story? Yeah, I mean, I would I would pretty much agree with that. It's 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 hard to spoil anything in the story itself. I mean, you're right. It, it, towards the end, it does get a little bit more personal and we get like as we learn more after we've learned more about the, like the core characters, but especially here in this first one, it's very just like, it's like, you know, uh, your born identity or your, like, a lot of James Bond movies and even, like, it's just organization names and people names and, like, the, the stakes mean nothing until they tell you what the stakes mean. Um, right. And so, like, it's 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 a good framing story and, like, I don't know. I, I I really like the way that they do. One thing we haven't talked about yet is that like is the way that they do the way that they advance the story. So obviously, Diane is in your ear and and delivers a little bit of like narrative while you're playing each level. But then, in between each level, there's a, there's like a cutscene um, that pushes things forward and kind of connects the dots between the contract you just finished and the new contract you're about to do. Um, and like. I like the I like the characters, the main character, you know, 47 and Diana and, you know, the other like people named people that become the focus of the story, but like as far as the bigger backdrop of, you know, the people controlling the world behind the strings, like it's pretty beige, it's pretty generic. It doesn't necessarily have much to say commentary-wise on right, the state of the world. It's like rich and powerful people are bad. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's basically what it's trying it's to say. Like, yeah, rich people are up to some really fucked up shit, and uh, there are secret societies. That's that's basically the gist of uh, the story. Um, you know, I don't actually. I don't think we're gonna talk about it after the spoiler wall because um, I, like I said, I played this game twice. I researched the story 
I still don't have anything more to say about the story than what I've already said. So it, it it's good at giving you some motivation for why you're in the streets of Marrakesh or, you know, why you're in this medical facility in Hokkaido. But other than that, uh, I don't think the story is really spoilable at all until Hitman 3, basically. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say is like, I actually, now that I'm thinking about it kind of all at once, like, I don't think the story of Hitman 1 would be what it was if they didn't already know, like, I, I think they probably knew the story they were trying to tell. And with Hitman 3 in mind, the story of Hitman 1 does do a, does do a good job of setting up for that. Um, but yeah, it is just the backdrop. And like in and of itself, it's not particularly interesting. Right. So if you're playing Hitman, uh, expecting a story that's going to affect you, um, I would caution you to like really really lower your expectations uh, as far as story goes in this in this one at least um, until you get like to the we third said one. right um so before we get into the spoiler section um let's take a little break and when we come back we'll give our final thoughts uh, about hitman 2016 So we're going to give our final thoughts in summary about Hitman. And Scott, I'll kick to you first. Uh, well, I mean, if it, if it isn't clear, uh, it, this is just the first chapter of one of my favorite series of games probably ever. I, I feel like I've been gushing about it for the last hour, but it's, um, it's, it's admittedly probably not for everybody, but if you're a, f a fan of, of immersive games, of of games that kind of require you to really dig in and and uh pick apart the systems at, at work and and the designs of the levels um and and rewards uh you know a, a deep understanding of uh of the inner workings of each level then i think this game is really gonna really gonna tickle your fancy yeah it was it was a real rough adjustment for me uh, when i first started playing like really really frustrating at first so i i definitely agree with you it's not for everybody you do have to meet this game um on its terms i think you have to play this game the way it was meant to be played but if you're up for that uh, if you're willing to like like you said dig in and really get an understanding of how these levels work um this game will reward you so much uh, more than more than most games i've played um, it'll reward you for following the scenarios that they've set up, and it will reward you for your own creativity all the time. And Definitely. the the fact that you're going through these amazingly designed levels, uh, we're going to talk in the spoiler section. I think there's only one kind of stinker of a level. The other ones are just top top shelf level design, fantastic. Um, 
and you're going through these amazing levels as this just very lovable and funny, charming character uh, in his own unique way as 47. It, it just, it, it's this super memorable experience. And I mentioned this before, but I, I very rarely uh, replay games. Um, I play a game, my mind kind of moves on from it, and I'm ready for something else. But Hitman is extremely replayable, even for me. So if you're someone who does like to replay games, well, you can you can play each level 20 times and have 20 different experiences, and it will keep rewarding you for coming up with new ideas. So I think this and game, if you're, if you're... Go ahead. I was just going to say, and if you're not somebody who likes to replay games, then just go ahead and play it once and try not to go back and play it again when you notice that thing and you just can't get it out of your head. What's behind that door? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, the game, I, it's it's meant to be replayed, and they do, a, they do a great job of like giving you little nuggets, little teases of what to do the next time you play it. Um, and you might even start a level and have an idea of like, I want to do it this way this time, but then you'll overhear a conversation. You're like, no, that sounds super cool. I'm going to do that this time, and I'll do that other thing the next time I play the level. And it just keeps giving you stuff like that. So this is an easy recommendation for me for people who like stealth games but um, want to like really be immersed in the scenario instead of like just solving you know individual stealth encounters like a metal gear solid or uh mark of the ninja which are they're both good games but they're very very different from hitman so that's uh yeah they're not they're not they're not assassin power fantasies in the same way right like that's kind of what this game does is it like it lets you be like that apex predator yeah by giving you the tools to 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 live it out yeah when you play Mark of the Ninja or you play um, Dishonored or something like that, you're never confidently strolling through the level like you own the place. You're always hiding. You're always moving from hiding spot to hiding spot. And in Hitman, you are, you know, you take care of your thing. You have the right outfit on, and you just walk right through the middle of the level. Everyone's looking at you, but um, you're not failing. This is the way it's meant to be played, and it's a really cool feeling. Like you just caused some mayhem and you're just strolling out the front door like you belong there. And it's, yeah, the it's really, really away, good. Walking away without looking at the explosion behind you is absolutely a thing you can do in this game. Yep, 100%. So definitely, uh, definitely recommend this if you are willing to kind of know that you might be frustrated at the beginning when you, you kind of learn how this game should be played. But... Uh, once you get past that, it's almost like an infinitely rewarding game. You can, and like uh, like Scott talked about with the elusive contracts and the escalation missions and all the challenges, this is a game that you could play for you know hundreds of hours and not really repeat what you're doing a whole lot. And I do. Yeah, <laughs> and he has. Um, so uh, before we get into spoiler territory. Um, Anyone who does not want to be spoiled on the like how the levels work uh, in detail and like the mission stories and the cool shit you can do, if you don't want to be spoiled on that, um, thank you for listening. <laughs> and uh, 
uh, tell you if you want to support the show to please um, subscribe and uh, rate and review and all of that stuff and spread the word um, if you enjoy the show. Um, if you uh, want to talk to me about um, Hitman or any of the other games that I'm doing on the show, um, get to the social media pages that's on uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, I also do a podcast called A Top 3 Podcast, where each week me and my buddies pick a topic, um, pick our top threes in that topic, and we discuss. Uh, Scott was on episode 15 of that podcast, where we talked about our top three video games of the past decade. Spoiler, Hitman came up. Yep. (laughs) We We had a great time on that one. We're looking forward to having Scott back sometime. So check that podcast out if that sounds interesting. Uh, We are going to take a break now, and when we come back, we will be in spoiler territory. is spoiler time so we're going to go through each level and talk about our experiences in that level so the first level is the paris fashion show and in this level you have two targets uh, one named victor and one named dahlia Um, the first time that i played this level i played each level twice Uh, the first time i played this i did the mission story where victor has a tv interview in front of the building it's this you know it's this giant uh mansion like a you know huge 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 mansion that's been converted for a fashion show and uh, in front you have a little courtyard area and victor has an interview Um, there's a mission story to help the interviewer find a new camera lens and this was like a like i said this was my first time in the level so i was not as confident in how the level worked so while he was doing the interview, I just kind of posted up on a balcony and uh, shot him. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it might sound classic, but I, I normally don't use the gun in these games at all, uh, except to, like we said earlier, you know, if you shoot a wall, someone will walk over and look at the bullet hole. And I use that more than I do to actually shoot people. Um, but it was good. I was secluded, uh, shot him from the balcony uh, there was a bunch of chaos, but I was upstairs. No one, you know, came to check out where the shot came from, at least not while I was there. Um, something that was really funny in the Paris level the first time I played it was there's a disguise up in the upper floor uh, in the in one of the rooms that's closest to that courtyard. There's a disguise called the Vampire Magician. Have you found this? Oh, shoot. I don't think I have. <laughs> It's it's you dress up you're like Phantom of the Opera or something like that and what everybody in the level is hostile to you every single NPC turns hostile if you're wearing this disguise so Sapienza has a has a costume like that too so I I put on this vampire magician disguise while I was in that room I shot the guy 
And then I went out and I was like, oh no, everyone hates the vampire magician. I <laughs> So I had to like stealth my way back to the room and put on the other disguise I had. And then I could get out. And this level took me a long time to escape. I ended up like climbing down some pipes and walking out like a side entrance. Um, nice. But the star of Paris for me, uh, which I did the first time I played, is the Helmet Kruger mission story to kill uh, Dahlia, the other target. So Helmet Kruger is a uh, fashion model. He looks exactly like 47 uh, through a nice... Uh, twist of luck um so you see helmet kruger you don his disguise and 47 walks down the runway in the fashion show um he kills it obviously and then you get a one-on-one with dahlia uh, where you can kill her however you want so that was the first time i played uh before i talk about my second run through um scott what what was a memorable experience you had in paris First, I I just I cannot I I, I we cannot get away without mentioning that like when you when you begin the Paris level you are entering through the front gates on like the red carpet and you're like flashing a badge and you are and you gain control of forty seven like as he approaches this fountain out in front of this mansion and hanging fr- like a a a story and a half two story tall like building banner hanging over the entrance to the manor where this fashion show is taking place is a headshot of helmet kruger and like that's right yeah (laughs) like like the very first thing you think when you start this game is oh my god that guy looks just like 47 yeah and after after you get a little bit more experience you will learn to like we said when you see someone who's white and bald you'll in you'll instinctively be like i'm gonna be that guy I bet that guy can be used for some cool mission story stuff. Yeah. I think something else that's cool about Helmut Kruger is that he is, um, and, and I think, I don't know if every level has one, but a lot of levels have uh, what I've heard referred to as like skeleton key dis- uh, disguises. Um, and yeah. I think Helmut Kruger is that for, for Paris where like once you have it on, there is literally no one on the map that will see through your disguise. You can go anywhere you want and no one will like know who you are unless you start doing something illegal. Yeah, I do think that um I do think that each level has at least one and it's uh, yeah. it's really cool when you when you find it. And they're hard, they're they're not always as easy to find, which is all one of the things I think makes Paris such a good introductory level is that like it is one of the most prominent mission stories that gives you that skeleton key costume, which is not the case in later levels. Like you got to work harder to find those. Right. Um I love this level so much. I I the the way that the music and 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 the different environments flow together like it, when you pass through the the runway hall and it's just like th- the thumping music but then like it starts to fade in the background when you move into a, one of the other areas um i want to say like the some of the earliest like kills that i remember doing was um uh disguising overhearing a discussion about uh like victor Navikov's like favorite cocktail and then disguising right, yeah. <laughs> uh, myself as a waiter and going into the basement and finding like a recipe for the cocktail and then like stealing some poison. And then you go pose as like the bartender. And when he comes and orders his drink, you mix him his drink, his favorite drink, but you poison it so that he'll go to the bathroom. And then you just follow him into the bathroom and you, and you drown him in the toilet, stash him in the closet and walk away. That was my second playthrough. Um, I did that mission story and 
like by that point i was fully in like i giggle whenever 47 does you know one of these you know impersonation <laughs> acts and when he's at the bar you know shaking up the cocktail i was just i was just drinking it up it's it's so good he it's so he good. is so confident in he's like yeah sure i'll go make this cocktail i'll do it with pizzazz and it's it's so good <laughs> yeah the confidence it's it's the it's he 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 acts like he belongs anywhere he is right um one of my favorite ways to kill uh Dahlia is uh I, I forget exactly how you get the information, but you can um you eventually discover or somehow you're able to discover that there is a fireworks show planned for later in the evening. Uh and you can Ooh. like find a like the remote trigger uh to trigger it and then there is a like corner of like the far northwest corner of the map or whatever. It's like way past the gardens where you like get the helmet Kruger disguise. Um, you can like get down onto this little dock and climb up to the top of this like tower uh, on the barge where the fireworks are going to come from. Uh, and so I, I I had I used like the smuggled item in in planning to to take a sniper rifle with me and I posted up on that thing and then I triggered the fireworks which made her come out onto her balcony to see the fireworks. And I just shot her from there on the balcony. <laughs> oh, that see. And we, we talked about this earlier, but like you play these levels several times and you'll keep finding new stuff. I had no idea you could even do this. And I've played this level twice. It's just goes to show you how many different cool ways there are to accomplish uh, your, your mission. That's awesome. Yeah, there's so many different, and then like the and and then like escaping is often like a, a a trick of its own, right? Like especially depending on how smoothly you pulled off the assassination. Uh, yeah, and if one you're of my not wearing the vampire of... magician disguise. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, but uh, the one of my favorite things about the Paris level is the helicopter in the back, which I think is like in the like narrative supposed to be like where how Helmet Kruger got here, right? Um, right. Yeah. Because when you walk out, when you walk out the back, Helmet Kruger is doing a photo shoot right in front of the helicopter, like he just that's arrived right. at the show. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, and then you can snag his disguise while he's pacing around on his phone. Right. Um, but that helicopter is an exit point, which is just like there's something yeah. <laughs> just implicitly humorous about that to me. That like this heli- this like like military helicopter, or I don't know, maybe not military, but like this luxury helicopter that's like out back of this rich man- manor in Paris is just like a taxi service for any asshole who's like, I'm ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we, maybe my fault. I forgot to mention uh, that part of the missions is that you have to escape uh, after you kill your targets. And the escapes are often very funny too, because as we said, 47 can do anything. So he sees a helicopter and he's like, yes, obviously I will just fly this helicopter out of here. <laughs> um, there's one in Hitman two that, I, I just think about sometimes and it just makes me laugh so hard. We'll save that for the Hitman two episode, but uh yeah, yeah it, it's really good. That is. <laughs> um my second run through the level, uh I did the Victor mixing the drink mission story, uh which was very satisfying. And um to kill Dahlia, uh I don't even know if this is a mission story. It's a challenge for sure, but uh, you you go up to like near her office and you overhear her assistant freaking out on the phone um, about how something happened and Dahlia is going to kill her basically. Um, 
And while I was exploring earlier, I had picked up a laptop dongle. Um, so I was kind of like, oh, there's probably going to be a laptop I can you know, do something with. And it turns out it's for Dahlia's computer. And so yep. when the assistant is out on the balcony freaking out about some other mistake that was made, um, you can mess with the laptop and the bodyguard in the room will like say, hey, let's get out of here. Before she gets in here, you can just run away. Let's go. And they leave. Um, and I had picked up like a remote explosive somewhere in the level. And so I just, I figured Dahlia is going to come and check on her computer. She's pissed. Uh, so I stuck that under the desk and walked downstairs. And then I kind of, you know, watched the mini map to make sure she was near the desk and pulled the trigger and just calmly walked out the front door. Um, oh God, that's the best. As there's this explosion. It's it, just such a cool, uh, a very like feel like a badass killer assassin moment there. One of my favorite things to do is is figuring out how to like set up assassinations so that you are nowhere near the target when they die. Right. Like there like there are several levels where like a target will go on a loop and like they'll always stop at a certain table and take a drink out of the out of a glass or whatever. And like if you can like get in there and just drop some lethal poison in their glass, then you can go and start working on your next target and eventually you'll just get a little notification that's like target down. Yep, exactly. It's really really good. So um, I, I had the one uh, the one time when I just calmly walked out the front door as an explosion was happening upstairs, and then the other one where I escaped the mission by uh, piloting a helicopter, which both just great great ways to to end this mission. So, Fantastic. Uh, anything else? Uh, anything else about Paris? No, I think we kind of covered it. There's there is that one mission where you uh, where you can. Um... I think you put, you pose as like the Saudi ambassador or something like that, and you yeah. participate in this like like super ritzy auction. Yeah, uh, and you have to like bid on the right thing or in the right way. I forget some of the details, but um, if you if you bid the right way, then you get like a one on one audience with Talia, and you can take her out that way. Right. Yeah, I remember walking through the level and walking into the auction room, and I was like. They wouldn't put this here if there wasn't something cool I could do with it, but I never found that story. Yeah, well, I mean, you immediately notice the one empty empty chair, and you're like, oh, I bet I can sit there. Yeah, exactly, right. Um, let's move on to Sapienza then. Uh, like we said earlier, Sapienza is like a, uh, a seaside um, little town in Italy, um, and there's a couple sections to it. You have a big uh, mansion house where I think both of your targets are there most of the time. You can get them to come out, but they're there most of the time. So you have this mansion, yeah. you have the town itself, which is just a, a small little cozy town with a little beach, and then you have a research lab. And so you have to kill um you have to kill this man named Silvio, you have to kill this woman named Francesca, and then you have to destroy a virus down in the research lab. My first time through, I don't remember how I killed uh francesca i remember that i got her alone in like a like a tunnel connecting a dock to like the rest of the oh, yeah. town and i just kind of like strangled her and tossed her in a dumpster but i don't remember how i got her there i killed silvio there's a mission story where uh silvio i think his someone had died in the family um do you remember who kid? died 
I think it was his son yeah, or something. Yeah, like his daughter or something. Or yeah. maybe his daughter, yeah. There's a flower delivery uh, that crashed, and they're on the phone freaking out, and you can like impersonate the flower delivery man, uh, and you bring flowers, and you can get into the mansion that way. And then when you give him the flowers, and when he goes to the grave, uh, he's alone. And when I was planning for this mission, I saw the explosive rubber duck as an option. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'm going to take that with me. <laughs> and so I, I figured, oh, he's going to go down to the grave. So I put the explosive rubber duck on the grave. Uh, so while he was paying his respects, I blew him up, uh, which is very fucked up uh, as I say that out loud. But it was a it was a pretty funny uh, thing. And I don't think that's like a a mission story in itself. Like once you bring the flowers in, the mission story's over. You kind of figure out how to take him out on your own. Um, yeah, mi- the mission story doesn't always prescribe a specific method of death. It it often just gets you like in the room alone with the target. Right. So that was a cool thing where I was like, oh, uh, he's gonna hang out at this grave this would be a good place for a remote explosive rubber duck. Um, so again, <laughs> rewarding, rewarding your creativity there. So yeah, uh, you have any know, memorable experiences there? I was going to say, uh, I remember doing it, doing that mission story. And I think what I did was I just like strangled him. Like I snuck up behind and strangled him and then realized, Oh, I got to do something with his body. So uh, I don't know if you noticed it, but <laughs> over there to the side, there's like a wood chipper. And I just Ooh. threw him in the wood chipper and blended him up. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I don't know if that's better or worse, uh, more or less monstrous than the explosive rubber duck. Um, it's uh, both extremely monstrous. He he just went to pay respects to his dead uh, family member. And both of our options are just <laughs> very, very bad uh, things that 47's doing to this poor guy. Yeah. Um, I, my, my, some of my favorite, uh, kills, uh, in this one, um, are, so if you start the mission in the default starting area of the town square, uh, to the, a little bit to the right of the, of the, like front of the manor, you can encounter uh, a woman standing on the sidewalk, having an argument with a guy who's up on a balcony on like the second or third floor. Um, and if you, and they're arguing about like their first day or something, right? And, uh, if you go up into, uh, his apartment, uh, while they're having this argument, you can steal his outfit, which is like a cook's outfit and it lets you get into the manor. Uh, but more importantly, you find a couple of like handy, like tools. Um, and one of the things you can find is an explosive golf ball. Right. Silvio Caruso, uh, has part of his loop where he stops out into the backyard of his manor, uh, for like a golf lesson with the golf coach, uh, every, every few minutes. Um, and you can go in there, go walk over there. Uh, I think you need like the lawn, lawn, lawn keeper disguise or something like that. Um, but you can walk over there, you can put the explosive golf ball down on the tee. And when he comes back around and takes a swing, it'll explode. <laughs> Uh, and, and that's one of the most I feel like that's one of the most famous ways like yeah it's kind of like people who haven't played hitman if you follow games uh, like if or if you follow you know people posting videos like game clips on Twitter or something like that you may have heard of this uh, explosive golf ball uh, mm-hmm. thing I wasn't able to find it so like I've I've watched it happen it's very uh, very good uh, but I wasn't able to find it 
Well, and um, earlier when I was talking about how you, when the little prompts come up and it tells you what you're missing, this is what I was thinking of because I didn't find it. Um, I don't think this was like the first time I did it, but like I found the T before I found the golf ball and it said like missing exploding golf ball. And so you know exactly right. what you need <laughs> to do this. And I was like, I know, ex- I know exactly what I'm looking for next time I come back to this level. Yeah, exactly. And like you, you can't possibly see that missing explosive golf ball and just pass that off like that's something where you're like oh i have to do this i have to see this because absolutely this is going to be good um absolutely what i did the second time with silvio is uh silvio has an appointment with his therapist and uh you can get the therapist disguise which gives you free run of the manor it's one of those skeleton keys um nice the only time people will get mad at you is if you go into the church and uh like go where you're not supposed to be the priests will get mad at you but other than that you have free reign so uh he has a therapist session with 47 and 47 leads this therapist session very well um like a professional yeah he he basically coaxes him into admitting that uh he killed somebody i think it was he killed his mom or something like that Mm -hmm. and uh while he's laying on the couch you get the the prompt to smother him with a pillow so again the 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 things i mean this guy silvio he's he's not a great person but the way that you're killing him is just monstrous like during a therapy (laughs) session is kind of kind of rough well i mean (laughs) <laughs> yeah so so my my uh one of my favorite francesca kills is um also involving the golf coach actually uh you, there is uh evidence to be uncovered that sh- that francesca is having an affair with the golf coach um, right and you can i think you, you can get his cell phone and like call her uh to his room or something like that and then disguise yourself as him. And so, like, you get her into a room alone and she's, like, dropping her guard. And you can, like, you, like, for it's for, like, a, a, the premise is that you're inviting her for, like, a midday, like, rendezvous, right? Uh, but, like, she shows up and drink takes a big swig of red wine that you've poisoned or you, like, stand up out of the chair and shoot or whatever. Like, it's, like, it's just when you really stop, like, it's the writing part of the reason the writing is so good is because it doesn't feel as monstrous as it probably sounds listening to us talk about it yeah when you're doing it yeah yeah the only i i did feel bad as 47 was you know uh, silvio's lying on the couch you know having a horrible time reliving his memories and 47's like goading him on i was like oh and then the button prompt comes up like smother and i was like oh well (laughs) you gotta go so yeah um (laughs) The way that I killed Francesca the second time was uh, there's a mission story. There's a safe up in the attic uh, of the mansion, and you can get the code to the safe. Uh, In the safe, you find some evidence that Silvio's been, like, doing something behind her back, and she uh, makes an emergency phone call. And the the mission story is way past being finished by this point, so you have to figure out how to kill her yourself. Um, but she walks out onto the balcony. You can sabotage a like a surge protector and then turn on a hose to create an electrocution trap 
uh, where she's talking on the phone. So that's how I took her out the second nice. time. After you're done taking these two out, you have to go into the research lab and destroy the virus. Um, you get a clue that there's a doctor who can who holds a laptop dongle that can destroy the virus by itself, and the doctor is in church. Uh, I couldn't find her in the church, though. Like, I think I waited too long because she has a routine. She'll go to church, and then she'll go back to the lab. So... I went to the church and looked all around. I couldn't find her. She was in the lab. So I kind of remember just through playing the game, you learn that if you kill or incapacitate an NPC, they'll drop whatever they're holding. If it's like a key item, like a key card or something like that. I couldn't isolate her though in the lab. So I just threw a wrench at her from the upper level and then just like <laughs> jumped into a hiding spot. Cause I knew that, like she would get knocked out and she would wake up, but she would drop that thing and she wouldn't pick it back up. Yeah. She wouldn't pick it back up. It's just kind of how the game works. So I threw the wrench, knocked her out. Everyone in the lab freaked out, but I was hiding inside of like a chest or something until stuff died down. And then I went over and picked it up and <laughs> destroyed the virus that way. Nice. Kind of like, nice. kind of felt like cheating the game, but I don't really like that research lab. So I wasn't really. I didn't feel bad for it. Yeah, one of the things I think they really got right in the later games, which obviously we'll talk about another time in more specificity, is um, making some of those objectives uh, like optional after your first playthrough. So yeah, like exactly like it, I I love like I've, I've said before like I love Sapienza, but like one of the things that stops me from going back and playing it more often is the fact that I have to go do this virus thing every single time. Like, if I only yeah. had to kill the targets and the other parts were optional, I would probably play it more often. Um, right. That said, like, that would probably be better for me personally if there were just, like, more ways to do the virus thing. Uh, but there are pretty much only yeah. two. There are pretty much only the way you talked about and then, like, actually getting a hazmat suit and going in there. Right. I think, And I did that the first time. I found it really hard to avoid enforcers that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's how I did it the first time. You have to make use of so uh we didn't talk about this during the um before the spoiler wall, but um one of the things that that can help you get around enforcers is that there are different areas where you can blend in if you're wearing the right disguise, right? And so like in right. that, in this yeah. instance, if you're wearing like the scientist disguise, you can like go over to like a microscope station and blend in. And if you're if you're blending in, then the enforcers can't tell who you are like they just won't look at you and so you just kind of like stand there and blend in until they're looking away and then like scooch past them and you have to do mm -hmm. that in this instance to get past them and get inside there yeah right um one thing that was really cool though i don't like the virus uh, objective but when you're done with the virus objective and you're trying to escape the level because you should be doing this last um yeah you get one of 47's better escapes which is there is a uh, a seaplane um, yeah. uh, in this lab you know it's like an underground lab but it's on the beach so like it's like it's in a, a cave. cave and yeah. there's a seaplane down there and so when you're done destroying the virus you can kind of just book it over to the seaplane and fly a plane out of this cave um, and escape the level which is it, I mean I you don't need me to tell you how fucking great that is that 47 <laughs> knows how to fly a plane in addition to everything else yeah 
Uh, he can. There are multiple boats he can use to escape from that level. There's the plane. There's. It's just so good. Yeah, fantastic. Um, there's let's a, talk about Marrakesh. Go ahead. I was just gonna say there's the the. Uh, did you ever manage to get the cannon kill in that level? No, I um I don't even know if I saw the cannon. So it's there's like a there's like the ruins uh like the the crumbled tower ruins back behind the manor and there are like old civil like like not obviously not civil war cannons obviously but like like old old era cannons uh up there and if you can find a cannonball and a uh and a bag of gunpowder uh one of the cannons just happens to be pointed at uh the spot where Silvio Caruso uh does his golf lesson so that's another way you can kill him uh Oh, as he's as he's <laughs> golfing. That's uh, that's fantastic. It's just so good. Yeah, um, let's talk about Marrakesh. Uh, Marrakesh, you are uh, entering in a market area, and I think, like we said earlier, there's like three main areas in this level. There is the market, there is the Swedish consulate of Morocco. And there is a uh, kind of rundown school where one of your targets has like his base of operations. So you have two targets. Uh, one of them is named Reza. He's a, like a military leader. And the other one is named Klaus, uh, who is uh, inside of the Swedish embassy hold up because he's caused like an international incident. Um, my first time through, uh, there's a mission story where you, you can, if I had to sneak into the consulate. Um, but I got in there. There's a mission story where you impersonate a masseuse, uh, and you give Klaus a massage. And he, while you're doing the massage, he's just saying the most fucked up things about, um, like what's going on in the, the world. Like you can tell this is a horrible person. He's a fucking crooked motherfucker. He is. So it felt pretty good to just smother him. Uh, during the massage but i let 47 do the massage for a little bit because obviously 47 knows how mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i think you actually snap his neck oh you can snap his neck right that's that's the one that i actually did when i was playing that level earlier today nice nice it's it's very good because the the conversation you have with him is uh you don't need much motivation to kill the people in this game but he gives you a uh, great motivation during that conversation. The other guy, uh, the military leader, Reza, there's a mission story where they have a prisoner um, who's being interrogated. And there's, it, it takes some work, but you can get the, you can remove the guard uh, that's guarding the prisoner and you can pose as the prisoner. And then the guy comes up uh, to you and he's he's talking a bunch of shit right in your face uh, and you have like a bag on your head. So you think that he thinks that you're just like, you know, unconscious or barely conscious. And then you can get up and kill him right as he's gloating in your face. And that was a pretty satisfying one, too. Very satisfying. I think Marrakesh is, is story-wise one of the most interesting um, because it's so like just a little bit of the nuance here is that like Reza is a uh, like a uh, like a terror, like a, or I guess an insurrectionist uh like leader uh and is trying to yeah. like establish like martial his martial rule over the city um and at the same time is like colluding with Klaus who is this like this like uh Swedish uh ambassador that is um 
was discovered to have like like embezzled a shitload of money or something like that and so like the backdrop of marrakesh is like there's just a ton of people that are like these big crowds of like angry like the the whole the whole level has this like air of like civil unrest like on the brink of civil unrest right and yeah i think this is one of like the big misses in this game is that like the crowd like that's not an element you can use like i i always wanted there to be a mission story that would like trigger an actual riot but the but the crowds don't really do anything they just kind of stand there and like serve yeah. as cover it's more for more for atmosphere for sure yeah did you have any other like memorable kills or experiences in marrakesh i i don't know if you you found this this passage but there's actually an underground tunnel between the school and the uh uh the embassy or the consulate? I did not find that. No. Um, and I, I forget exactly how you find the information, but you can discover a like an emergency protocol, uh, because again, Reza and Klaus are colluding with each other, right? Um, but they're but nobody's supposed to know that. Uh, and so um, there's you can discover this protocol where like both men have a a uh, phone in their office, and uh, somewhere in each of those areas you can find the passphrase that you need to say into the phone in order to trigger a pr procedure where these two men will leave their posts and they will meet in the middle of the tunnel in between their two the underground tunnel in between their two places uh and so oh, if you if that's... you like time it out right you can get them both to come to the center at the same time and then kill them both at the same time with like an explosive or something that's super cool i never found that just another yeah, example of like, you know, I played this game twice and there's something very cool in there that I didn't even know existed. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a neat one. The second time I played this, I did a mission story where Klaus is going to do a TV interview and you impersonate the cameraman, uh, which gets you into the embassy and gets you free reign over every part of the level except for the school. Um Oh, that's so cool. you can just walk around the embassy. You start doing this TV interview and someone tells you like, hey, uh, go up there and check on the lights. And you should, you know, look up to see what's going on. And you see there's a, a big moose statue oh, hanging right Sorry. over where Klaus is sitting. And, I forgot about you know, <laughs> as soon as you see that you your your alarm should be going off you're like i gotta find a way to make that moose statue drop so luckily you go up to the the floor above and you can um kind of let go of the winch that's holding the statue up and it falls on him and kills him while he's doing the interview and it's it's very very good and then you have free reign over the place so you just calmly walk out the front door of the embassy <laughs> um, as everyone's freaking out they're like putting like happened. a you know a lockdown yeah they're putting down like a you know an alert a state of alert in the embassy they say like we're you know code red everybody code red and you just waltz out the front door it's really really good uh it's with reza i couldn't figure out go ahead i was gonna say it's amazing the way the game trains you to know what to look for like it, it, that's absurd a moose like you look up and you see a moose hanging up there and like for some reason you just instinctively knew that's going to drop. Uh-huh. 
there's a way to make that fall. They wouldn't put a, like these developers would not put a moose statue above <laughs> uh, the the interview spot uh, if there was no way for you to make it fall. Um, they you want you to have fun with stuff it. like that. Yep, exactly. It's yeah. uh, it's really really good. With Reza, the second time, I couldn't find another mission story that would, um, like, I didn't want to repeat the prisoner mission story. So I couldn't find another one. But I got into the school, and uh, he does his rounds, and he goes to check on the printing press. And you can get on the floor above it, and there's a hole in the floor. So you can see down into the room where he's checking on the printing press. And I, I couldn't find a mission story, and I was kind of like, uh time to just end this and one of my favorite ways to kill people in hitman is not to use the gun but it's to throw screwdrivers because they're lethal (laughs) Uh, so i just kind of lined it up through the hole in the floor and just threw a screwdriver at him uh killed him and uh kind of just kind of walked out again because i was in a soldier's uniform just kind of walked out of the school while everyone's freaking out that's awesome I never found a really cool escape from Marrakesh. It's kind of just like, uh, just leave the market area. Uh, did you find an escape that was really cool? I think that there's, I think there's a, uh, I think it's one of the ones that you have to pick up. You have to find the keys for somewhere before, or otherwise it's locked when you go to get into the escape mode. But there, I think right in that courtyard in front of the school, there's like a, like a Jeep or a Humvee or something that you can, that you can drive out of there. Yeah. Um, Gotcha. That's more fun than just kind of like exiting the market. Yeah. And I, and I want to say somewhere that might even be in the market. Um, there's like a, a, a sewer grate or something that you can escape through. Like there, I feel like there's some way to escape like down a hole in the, in the ground, but I'm forgetting the details. I mean, each of the, if anyone's listening, uh, and hasn't played it, each level has like, like eight, escape routes they're based they're placed all over the place uh so i wouldn't doubt that there's something like that yeah um anything else about marrakesh i no i think it's a solid level it's it's got a lot of cool little niche areas to explore and to ingratiate yourself in and um it's a solid one yeah i wasn't a I wasn't a huge fan the first time I played it. The second time I played it, I discovered a lot more uh, like mission stories, um, and I enjoyed it a little bit more. Yeah, I do think it has those crowds are like the, this installment's biggest missed opportunity, though. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. It would have been nice to, you know, have maybe have that guy Klaus be killed by the rioting crowd or something like that. Yeah. So next, you go to Bangkok, which is a resort. Uh, hotel and it's that's all it is there are two halves of the hotel there's like a little outdoor area that goes in kind of a half circle around the hotel Um, but most of the time you're inside the hotel and you have two targets one of them is ken morgan who's a lawyer uh, and one of them is jordan cross who is a, a rock star and um Ken Morgan's kind of making his rounds outside and Jordan Cross is way up at the top of the hotel in a like recording studio setup. So uh, the Jordan Cross kills are very, very good. So I'm just going to say the Ken Morgan one first. Um, He bought a tuk-tuk 
which if you've never been to Thailand, it's like the little motorized kind of taxi type things um, in Thailand. He bought one that he wants to take home as a souvenir, but it's um, it, it needs work. And so you can sabotage it to explode when he comes to check on it. Um, and so I did that one the first time, which is, is really good. I don't know if it's people talking about this or if it's just something I thought, but it's like this, this rich lawyer wants to take uh, kind of a, a symbol of, you know, lower technology, kind of poverty uh, level, like public transportation in Thailand. He wants to take it home as a souvenir. Um, so it's kind of cool to, to blow it up and have him die that way. Yeah, definitely. Those characters, but the, the char- these are the easiest characters to kill, I think, in in this whole game because they're just the worst. They're just they're they're both shit bags for sure. Real pieces of shit. The other time I killed Ken, uh, he he's he's going around. He's waiting for his room to be ready the whole time, and you you just overhear him talking about this at the front desk. So you get, I think you get a mission story, but um, it would not be hard to figure out like, oh, I can become a housekeeper. Uh, get his room ready and then call him up and probably get him alone in the room. So he goes up to the room. Um, you're dressed as a housekeeper and he kind of like goes through an inspection of this suite and there's all these dirty spots and he like he like berates you for it the whole time. You have to like clean the floor. You have to wipe the countertop and eventually you get to the bathroom and he does an extremely thorough inspection of the toilet. Like he basically puts his face in the toilet checking it <laughs> inviting you yeah his guards kind of like uh i'll leave you to to this and his guard steps out of the room and then you can just drown him in the toilet it's it's really good after he was just talking shit to you and talking shit about hotel you know service workers for the last couple of minutes uh really satisfying <laughs> yeah what an asshole yeah uh let's talk about jordan cross because his are the fun ones um i'll let you go first on uh what's your favorite way to kill jordan cross i gotta say there's there's a um it's been a while since i've played this one because i honestly like bangkok's probably my least favorite in the in the in this game um i just think it's i find it i find it to be the most frustrating level to move around like I, i i wish there were more ways to get between the two towers like the the hotel is basically two towers and you have to go all the way down to the first floor if you want to move between them and I wish there were oh, like you can more move, ways. You can move. Uh, you can move between them through the roof too. But again, it's like you can't do it's it like on every floor. With guards. There's... Yeah. Yeah. It like is. I wish. I don't know. I wish there was like pipe a pipe to climb across or something. I don't know. I'm not sure how I would fix it. But there's just like something about it that I just find like less comfortable. So I don't play it as often. But um, there's a uh, there's like a faulty microphone. I think. Um. They're they're talk I I overheard this. Um so it's actually it's there's a new microphone and it's really powerful, but it's dangerous. So you hear you overhear p- people talking about how like this microphone is awesome. He wants to try it, but like be sure that you don't overload it or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. So you gotta you gotta get the microphone and set it up and swap it in, but then you also gotta like get in position to like overload like increase the voltage at the wrong moment and electrocute him while he's in the vocal booth yeah so i overheard people talking about that but i couldn't find the microphone so 
I did the other mission story uh, that involves um, him as a musician, which is uh, there is a session drummer who's replacing uh, his band's drummer, who um, happens to look a little bit like 47. And you get the mission story to, yeah, become the session drummer. And you go up and you talk to Jordan Cross and he's like, finally, my drummer's here. All right, let's uh, let's lay this down. And so you go over and 47 just fucking plays the drums uh well as as you would expect and it's very you get like this cutscene too it's not in the actual game engine um you get a cutscene of 47 just kind of going wild on the drums a little bit and it's really really good and then after that uh jordan's like hey man you got what it takes and then let's go out on the roof and talk about this and 47's like yes let's go out on the roof and talk about this um and uh there's this is one line of dialogue that I remember where he's kind of like, so what are you, man? Are you like a, you just like you know working on your own, or are you uh, you you in a band or something? And Forty Seven says something like, oh, I uh, I move from contract to contract or something like that. <laughs> it's a really good uh, <laughs> yeah, really good joke, and just the way he delivers it, much better than I did, is so good. Uh, anyway, he <laughs> leans up against the roof, and you can push him off the roof of the hotel. Which is really good. Yeah, that's awesome. It's a it's such a satisfying one. Pretty much every way you kill him. Ken Morgan, I don't care so much for. I'm pretty sure I just like he he makes on his route around the outside. He stops by a glass uh, on the like, and takes front a drink. patio and takes a drink. And I'm I think like at this point, every time I go in there, I just go drop some poison in there and then move on to Jordan Cross. Yeah. Uh, the there's another mission story with Jordan Cross, and this is kind of the reason why Jordan and Ken know each other. Um, Jordan Cross killed uh, a woman, and Ken is going to help him like with the PR for this. He's going to help him get through this rehabbing, um, yeah, in a very shady way. And there's a videotape or a, an audio tape. I can't remember which one, but it's like an audio tape of the killing, and you can find it. And uh, he he goes in and listens to it, like, in some kind of sick way. He goes in the room and listens to this tape, and you can be waiting in the room when he goes in and listens to it. You can kind of take him out when he's doing that, that weird ritual that he does. Isn't there also, like, a a way to, like, make the tape public, and then he kills himself or something? Or am I'm I making not that, sure. I might be that, making that up. That wouldn't surprise me, but um, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's a that's a grim one. Yeah, I think it was his ex girlfriend sure. or something, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, anything else about Bangkok? No, I think we covered it. Yep. I'm gonna go through Denver pretty briefly. I think this is by far the worst level in the game, and. Uh, when I was replaying it for uh, preparing for this episode, I didn't play Denver because I I just didn't like it the first time. You have, I think you have three targets or maybe even four. You have you have four, four, and there, this this level is set up in a way where it's one big, it's it's one big area. It's not separated into different areas, uh, and it's it's like this militia compound or something like that, and. I don't remember how I killed um, these targets here. 
it, <laughs> it was not memorable in any way. Uh, I am gonna. This is this is I think where you and I differ the most in this game. I I really like Colorado. Um, okay, cool. Tell me why. And you are not you are not the only person I've heard express that opinion. I think it's fairly common that people think it's fair. It's it's one of the weakest levels, and I think it's fair. It, it is um, it is the flattest level. It, it has like the least verticality of any level in in this game. Um, mm-hmm. It does have four targets, um, which I think has kind of an, it kind of increases the difficulty level i guess or or maybe just the time it takes um but what i love about about it is that uh it is the only level where you where you are never um where you don't start in a safe place right like you are trespassing yeah. from the moment you begin because you are like That's you true. said you're you're sort of infiltrating this um like far right terrorist like militia training compound uh and the the people that you're like going after are like some some pretty serious like weirdo like there's there's the Sean Rose is like the head guy and then there are like two women that are helping like train like on on military tactics and then there's like this guy Ezra who wears like a Jason mask uh yeah that's right <laughs> and, and like does like chemical torture or, or like hallucinogen like get, uh, tr- uses truth serum or something like that on people in the basement um yeah i just think it's got uh the i think the flatness has uh pr- poses an interesting challenge in that you can't see things like there's no like high ground that gives you like a bird's eye view of everything um there's a there's a tower you can climb up over on one side of the level, but like people will like go check you out. Like if you go up there, people will follow you. So it's not like a, yeah. a super safe place. The first time I saw it, I was like, I bet that's going to be a fun sniper spot. But it is not a it's not exactly. a good sniper it, spot. It's it's not because people know you're up there. It's not you're not hidden when you're sniping from up there. Because I tried that exact same thing. Yeah, um, I think. There are a couple of interesting mission stories. Um, there's there's one where like one of the one of the girls that you you have to one of the women you have to target is like a former Interpol agent, um, and you discover that like Sean Rose, who's like the the obsessive compulsive like leader of this militia group, um, is going to test her by like having somebody uh, like go and pose as an interpol agent and ask her to come back um and if she does agree to come back they're gonna kill her right because they're a terrorist group uh right and so you can like go find that person and and steal the interpol badge and be the person that like goes and offers her a job at interpol which gets you alone with her Mm, nice um but i think the most interesting part of the level is the house where sean rose is and and he's got probably more mission stories than anyone else um and i think i just like it because it's a it's it's really tight quarters where there is no universal disguise that will let you walk freely about the house like one disguise works really well on the first floor one disguise works really well on the second floor like you you got to be very careful like and precise with your with your movement and body placement um and then like once you kill them uh which you can do a couple of different ways there is this little like 
tech room setup, uh, and the way that you have to get out of the level is you have to go down into the basement and go and leave through a secret door that you can mm-hmm. only get through by scanning Sean Rose's face. And so the two ways you can yeah. do that is if you can either eliminate him and take his body down into the basement with you, or you can go into this little tech room and 3D print a mask of his face and then put <laughs> it on your own face and use the face scanner to get out of the level. And I think that's hilarious. That's great. I'm pretty sure that um, I had killed Sean Rose and taken him down into the basement. I spent a lot of time in that basement and mm-hmm. um, a lot of time on the top floor of that house. Uh yep. And I'm pretty sure I just dragged him down into the basement and uh, used the face scanner that way. But the 3D printer is, is very, very funny. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I did the did it your way the first time, but then after that, I was like, oh, you can just you can just 3D print his face. There's there's one mission story that I I remember where they have some kind of like uh, they're doing like some kind of like crash test on a vehicle. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have like a little like hydraulic ram. That's right. It's a hydraulic ram, and you can get uh, one of the women to go stand in front of it, and uh, you can basically turn it on when she's standing in front of it, and it obviously kills her instantly. Um, I I do remember that one as pretty memorable. Yeah, you're like I think you pose as one of the people, one of the members of her squad, and you're doing like a training thing where like the ram is supposed to be simulating the car that is going to T-bone this limousine with a fancy person in it, and you gotta your squad's gonna do this thing, and so you pose as that guy, and then when they're right. when they're doing like the recap of the of the um, of the simulation, like she wanders in front of it. Uh, yeah, I recently discovered that there is. I don't think it happens on every loop. Like, I think you have to wait for a long time for their two loops to line up. But there is a way to get both her and Sean Rose uh, with that ram. Like, there is a moment where they're both standing in between the car and the ram at the same time. And I only recently (laughs) discovered that one. And, like, in the Colorado level, there are lots of other places where there's, like, greenhouses. There's um, other, like, meeting areas and but I had a lot of trouble getting like good ways to kill the targets outside of that one mission story. And then in the house, there's a lot of stuff happening in the house, but the middle part of the level, I, I mean, I spent a lot of time there, but I don't remember what I was doing. I wasn't like killing anybody in there. I don't think so. Yeah. You probably, you just got to totally get the criticism. Yeah. Let's uh let's move on to Hokkaido. This is the last level. And in my opinion, Hokkaido is um like a return to form. I think it's a standout level from this game. Um so we said Hokkaido is a kind of like extremely elite uh medical facility doing all kinds of like uh treatments and procedures that are only available to like the top of the top. Um and like ethically questionable. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Uh, Hitman as a series deals with like these, um, you know, secret societies and stuff like that. So it only makes sense that, you know, this experimental medical facility exists um, in Hokkaido. So uh, you have two targets, uh, Yuki and Eric Sauters. Eric is one of the main characters from like the overarching story. Um, And so you go into this medical facility and you kind of hinted at it before, but the gimmick to Hokkaido is you don't have keys 
and you don't have key cards, the disguises are keys. So like you can't get into an area um, if you're not wearing the right disguise. You're even further like blocked from doing it. Um, so you basically, you have to change disguises uh, in here, except if you're going for that, you know, that suit only uh, run, which I guess is possible, right? But yeah, um, they... Now I'm curious how it would work on that one. Yeah, we might have to go check that out on YouTube because like there are like doors that just straight up will not open unless you're wearing the disguise uh, that has like the key embedded in it. So um, in this level, there are kind of two main sections. There's like the hospital part of it where they're doing surgery and stuff like that. You have patient rooms. There's like a giant open surgery room where they're, they're, they have like this AI performing surgery on Eric. And then on the other side, you have like the kind of resort area of it with like a restaurant and uh, patient rooms, like more like hotel rooms, basically. Um, so your two targets, Yuki and Eric, uh, the first time I played this one, I posed as a yoga instructor because Yuki does yoga classes. <laughs> and, and of course, nobody's surprise, an expert yoga teacher. Exactly. To nobody's surprise, 47 is amazing at yoga. And uh, they go through a class and she's doing this pose on a ledge in like overlooking a hot spring. And you can kick her off the ledge into like the scalding hot spring. And that's how she dies. Um, yeah, which that and, one was very good. After you've cleared out the entire spa because Yuki's so important. Yeah. Um, I found it really, it took me a long time to be able to get the yoga instructor's disguise. There was like a big sequence of events that I had to do uh, to get it. But it was my yeah. first time playing the level, so. No, I remember that one being a little bit tricky to get your hands on. Yeah. How did you kill Yuki? Any other memorable ways? I uh, I uh, served her uh, bad fugu fish. Uh, yeah, which was a, a, a pretty neat one. Um, there's also one I can't remember the specifics, but there's one that involves getting into her room and and she, she, like she's her, she, her backstory. She's like a recovering smoker or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. And so if you can like replace her cigarettes, which are missing or something like that, uh, I think it like gets her out onto the back had back porch or the back balcony of her uh hotel room which might give you visibility right. to her with a gun or something like that yeah for sure i i remember hearing about a uh, mission story centered around uh cigarettes um, yeah the, the second time I that, that it... i was just gonna say i think that that eric's mission stories are, are way more uh interesting than than yuki's right uh, right before we get to him, just the second time I played, um, I was kind of just wandering around the level um, looking for mission stories, and I overheard her at the counter um, demanding to be served fugu, which people who don't know, fugu is pufferfish um, sushi. It's really poisonous if it's not prepared uh, in the correct way, like people die from it. Um, so I overheard her demanding fugu, and I kind of was like, I bet you I can find some fugu and serve it to her. So um, I did that, and 
this was kind of ironic because either f- this is the only thing 47 doesn't know how to do <laughs> yeah or he knows that fugu is very poisonous if poisonous if improperly prepared and he purposely sabotaged the uh the slicing of the fish um but that was a real cool thing it's not a mission story it's just something you can do it's a challenge um but that was a thing where I didn't have, you know, if you have mission stories, you have markers telling you like, follow this person, get this person's disguise, then go here. Um, with that one, there were no markers. It was a very natural, like, Oh, she wants fugu. I bet there's fugu somewhere. Let me get down into the kitchen. Let me slice up some fugu. Let me pose as a sushi chef. Like all of that is really good. But, uh, let's talk about Eric. Cause Eric's an interesting one because he's not a target that's wandering around the map like most targets do. He's on a surgery table in the middle of surgery. So you can't just like, you can't separate him from his thing because he's, you know, he's under anesthesia during this whole, Mm -hmm. this whole time. So, uh, why don't, why don't you tell us Scott one way that you killed Eric? Um, I feel like the, all the ways to kill Eric, I'm gonna I'm gonna be fuzzy on the details because all the ways to kill Eric are very detail oriented. But like, because they all involve maneuvering around the the hospital area and like doing different sequences of things. But um, mm-hmm. the one that I re- remember most vividly is uh, is actually getting up into like the control center where Kai the AI thing is and like sabotaging a server. Um, so that you can like override the the uh surgery procedure and like all of the little like robotic arms that are operating on him in the table in the middle of the amphitheater just start going nuts and like mm-hmm. stabbing him to death <laughs> like just pin cushioning yeah him. yep that's that's the one i did my first time too and it's it's kind of not kind of it's very brutal the the robot arms are just going crazy like it's like probably said. the most like viscerally graphic scenes in the in the game. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty bad. I mean, this guy, all of your targets are pieces of shit. They all got to go. But this one was pretty bad. At least he's under anesthesia for the whole thing. But you know, yeah, he didn't that one thing. was pretty brutal. The uh, the the way that I killed him on the most recent playthrough is again working with the AI. Um, you can sabotage the defibrillator. Uh, you just like stick a screwdriver in it or something and that gives you access to like the power levels and you can you can go over to another computer terminal you can turn you basically turn off the the respirator or something like that and then the ai kicks into defibrillator mode and you can like cause a power surge that basically electrocutes him uh, with a, a lethal dose of electricity there during when they're trying to uh, to shock him and bring him back. Um, so I, I'm pretty sure all of these mission stories revolve around messing with the surgery somehow. I'm not sure. Maybe yeah. there's other ones, but all the ones that I've seen involve that. But the or just getting you back, getting you in there. Yeah, uh, and one of the best mission stories <laughs> is our friend Helmut Kruger uh, is referenced again because there's a patient here at the center who's had plastic surgery to look like helmet Kruger. And (laughs) when I was playing this, I was streaming it and I was having a really hard time, uh, getting this guy alone. Um, 
and I, I feel like I quick loaded 30 times uh, trying to figure out where he was. But it's very funny when you walk up to him and he thinks you're Helmet Kruger for a second. Uh, he's like, are you? No, you can't be. And then he gets disappointed. But you can uh, you can pose as him because he's got bandages uh, covering his face. And they walk you back into the hospital uh, to ch- have a checkup with your doctor. And your doctor starts crying because you look so much like Helmut Kruger. He thinks he's like performed his master work or something like that. So he unwinds the ba- bandages and is like, there's no scarring at all because you've obviously not had surgery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's like it's almost like you've never had surgery and then he starts crying because he thinks he's accomplished this amazing thing it, it's so good oh my god it's so funny that helmet kruger disguise is one of the skeleton key things or the the patient disguise you can go almost anywhere you want in the level with that on um except for like you know the surgery room or something like that so yeah when i was uh, making my escape um, I had a doctor's disguise on, but I, I remembered where I left that costume. I went and put that back on. Um, and then I think I took a ski lift out of Hokkaido to nice. escape. Yeah, I use that. I use that escape probably most often. The one that I think is really funny is the um, there's a snowmobile you can get on outside the garage, which I think is hilarious mm-hmm. when you escape while like wearing the yoga costume because it's like, oh, yeah, yeah you're <laughs> wearing like linens and a tank top and you're hopping on a snowmobile and riding off into the mountains of japan yeah like you're not gonna you, you're to way death. high up on a mountain uh yeah in this resort it's really good there's another one where um there's a, a helicopter again outside of the surgery area i know there's a mission story involving the helicopter pilot but um i didn't do it either time i know i've done it i can't but, remember what the what the actual premise of it is though I think that the premise is that the helicopter pilot like has shaky hands or something like that. And that's going to help you, you know, it's going to help you kill someone that way or something like that. Um, yeah, not sure. Uh, for repeat playthroughs, that'll be the one I try to go to next, but you can also escape using that helicopter. Yeah. 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 That's a really cool level. That's a, uh, it's it's got some really unique challenges in it. I feel like there's also there's also one where you can trap uh, Yuki in the sauna, and like crank up the heat. Yeah, I I remember because she does go in the sauna, and um, I just couldn't figure out. There's a bunch of people watching. It, it you know the the spa area is pretty busy, and I I remember trying to do something with the sauna, and I got I just got caught like thirty times in a row, and I was like, "Fuck this! I'm moving on to something." <laughs> I'm gonna else. find something and, else. That's fair. Figured out the yoga instructor disguise, and that that was obviously awesome. So no regrets. Also a good but one. Yeah, this level's really really good. Um, I love the scenery. I love how it's laid out. Um, I love the vistas when you're looking from the hotel rooms out on like, you know, the ski town and stuff like that. Um, it's definitely one but, of the most visually that, striking levels of the first game. Yeah, definitely. And the. Um, the the key card system where your disguise is your key card is uh is different it you know you've played six levels at this point counting tutorials um and then they throw a little wrench it's not it doesn't end up being a huge deal but it is something you have to think about like you can't just pick locks in this you have to have the right uh disguise on 
and I think the first time you do it, you you actually don't you're not allowed to start with anything. Like you 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 check into the hotel under your Tobias Reaper name, and you get your like mm-hmm. your VIP robe, but like you're not allowed to bring your gun or any wet like any any items. Like you kind of have to work with what's on the map. Right. Yeah, they do that sometimes uh, throughout the trilogy, and this is this is one of them. I forgot to mention, like when I played the replay. Um, I couldn't migrate my save data from the Hitman 2 engine to the Hitman 3 engine because I don't have a fucking uh, IO online account. So um, I couldn't do any of the, like, stash your weapon or start in a different location uh, this time. Next time I play, I'll be able to. But, yeah, Hokkaido, you start completely uh, item-free. Yeah. I don't something weird happened when I when when I got Hitman 3 too. It it kept my save data like all of the stuff that I had <clears throat> excuse me, all the stuff I had unlocked uh was still there, but it like it erased my progress on the mission stories. So like it 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 it, it I had done like all of the mission stories up to that point and it went back to saying like 0 out of 4 or whatever, which is kind of a mm-hmm. bummer, but I still have yeah. the mastery unlocked for it, so that's good. A lot of people had, across all platforms, I think, had trouble migrating stuff into Hitman 3. Um, so our experiences are not unique, I don't think. So, yeah. Um, anything else about Hokkaido, or shall we wrap this up? I don't think so. Let's take it home. It's a it's cool. It's one of my favorite levels in the game. Yeah, it's really good. Um, it's been a blast going through and sharing our experiences with these levels because, uh, as you've heard... Um, I played the game twice, and Scott has several experiences that I didn't even know existed, or like I saw it and didn't do it. It just once again goes to show you how replayable even just the main quest is uh, in the game. Not even talking about those escalation missions or um, stuff like, or elusive targets. So, yeah, Um, if it's not clear, uh, I love all of these levels uh, except for Colorado and you know you made a you made a few good points about Colorado there um, if I replay it I will try it again I was just you know when I was replaying it for this show I was just not in the mood for it wanted to play Hokkaido so yeah that's fair uh, these levels are great it's been a bunch of fun going through uh, these these levels and it's been fun talking hitman with you Scott thanks for coming on the show likewise thanks for having me we'll have to chat about the other two sometime yeah, and uh yeah, this is this is uh setting up our plan. We'll we'll do Hitman 2 sometime soon and then uh we'll do Hitman 3. And it it's kind of interesting the changes they make as the series the series goes on. Hitman 3 is still very very good, but it's pretty different from Hitman 1 and 2. So, we'll get into that when we do our episodes yeah. on those. Awesome. I'm excited. Yeah, for everybody who's stuck it out until now, thank you so much for listening. Um, hope you enjoy Hitman as much as we do. Uh, when the episode goes up, feel free to chat with me um, on social media. So, once again, everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you, Scott, for talking Hitman with me for two and a half hours. Love you, buddy. Love you too, man. All right, see you guys later. Bye, everybody. <laughs>